We are going to have a great time this morning. We're going to pray for some children, dedicate them to the Lord and His service, and we're very glad. And I know there's lots of family members here that have come for this. And this is a great day. It's really a wonderful day, and we're going to get into that a little bit of just seeing. uh, We've we had five babies born within a half months. Like I said, it's in the water. And I, I, I'm a grandfather, I get it. But, you know, it's, it's, it, there's something, I'm telling you, it's more contagious than COVID. And so it's so exciting to see what is happening. And I know for numbers of you, uh, you've become the, some of the, uh, the grandparents, you, the first time you become a grandparent. And if you're a grandparent, I'll tell you, you know, I, I heard it said before, and, and now I have three grandchildren. Uh, and uh, I love them to death. And in the old adage, if I knew grandchildren were this good, I would have skipped children and gone straight to grandchildren. You're going to find out they're that good. It's it's absolutely fun to spoil them and to have fun with my grandson. I remember he was probably, uh, or my granddaughter wasn't born, so he was probably one and a half years old. And we went, I had go, gone over to see my daughter and uh, was uh, we went out for lunch. And we went to a restaurant where they uh, serve these, they have these uh, lollipops that are just chocolate. You can put them in your milk and stir them around and make hot chocolate that way. I bought my grandson one, and he sat on my lap, wouldn't move, ate the whole thing, and then had a sugar rush running up and down and up and down and up and down, and then the crash. And so, and I thought, this is so fun. I get to be grandpa. It is such a wonderful thing to raise children. And to see them make it. But it is also a great responsibility. It is probably the biggest responsibility. I, uh, you know, I actually remember, and I, I know I've shared this before, but I brought home my daughter from the hospital. And uh, my wife and daughter had come home. And, uh, and my wife hands me my four-day-old daughter, or three-day-old daughter, something like that, and says, here. I've got to go to the restroom, and so here you take take your daughter. And I'm looking at this little girl, and I'm thinking, I'm responsible. For the next 18 years, at least, I'm responsible for you. And I looked at her, and I said, what am I going to do? And she smiled at me, and from that point on, she became daddy's little girl, and that was it. And she's still my little princess, and even though she's 32. But, you know, uh, it's just, it's there. Children bring responsibility. They will bring great joy, and they can bring great sorrow like no one else in your life. The Italian proverb is little children, little headaches, big children, big headaches. The understanding that when we are involved in this, God gives the parents and even the grandparents, I know there's numbers of grandparents here, the responsibility of teaching your children. Proverbs 22 and verse 6 is our text this morning. Just one verse of scripture that is a proverb. It's not a promise. You don't get this automatically because people have their own will. 
But it does say direct your children, or some translations say train your children on the right path that when they are older, they will not leave it. It literally means to train or to narrow. It's the thought there of not only to initiate instruction, but also discipline, which is something lacking in our day. The disciplining of children, let their emotions take over. Don't use logic, but I digress. In our text, it tells us that you are to train or to teach your children. This will go from everything, and we're going to touch on some of the uh, areas at the end of this sermon a little bit that I think are important, but training your child, everything from ABCs and 2 plus 2 is 4 to the bigger issues of life, of morality and money. You know, it bothers me in our school day, some of the insanity that they teach, and they don't teach you how to get a mortgage or balance a checkbook. They don't teach young ladies, which I think would be very critical, how to change a tire on a car. They don't teach them practical things like that. They do teach them a lot of nonsensical stuff. But they don't teach practical stuff. Why? Because some people believe that should be left to the parents. The problem is some parents aren't teaching their children that. I did take my children down. I taught my daughter how to change a tire, even though it might break her nail. I'd rather have a broken nail on her finger than her stranded on the side of a road with psycho showing. And so it's very interesting that you have to understand, and you have to see with children, first and foremost, you have a limited time. When I first got married, I ran into a friend, an old friend of my father's. And I hadn't seen him for many years. My father had been, I think he had passed away, I think it had been five years, six years, uh, maybe longer since I had seen this man. And so I ran into him in the mall, and, and I said, yeah, it's been a while. We were chatting, and he said, yeah. The one thing you can't get away from is the kids. And he had had two kids since I had seen him last. And he said, do yourself a favor. When you have children, take a lot of pictures. They grow up very fast. Now, to be fair, this is a time before everybody had a camera in their pocket. Right? And you get videos and cameras. And it's going to be one of the most well-documented generations ever because people are, are doing everything. But uh, photographing everything. But the understanding he was giving me is that they grow up so fast. And he told me that. And I, I've always taken that and remembered it. Because I'm, you know, I remember, like I said, bringing my little girl, who's 32 now, has three children of her own, married, lives in the nation of the Netherlands, and just, you know, gone on my little boy. I remember, you know, teaching him how to tie his shoes. Now he's 30, and he's taking courses to be a NASA engineer. He got his brains from his mother. Yes, that's obvious. I get that. Okay. But we're limited on time. I'm, kids will grow that quick. You know, I was looking at, I was, uh, they took a little video of the five children that were born. It's an adorable little video. Them laid out in order on a carpet. And I looked at them and, and I realized that if you looked at that video that was just two weeks ago, they've already changed. Every single one of them. 
from Wilder down to Vera. And it's like they, they've right in order with Cooper and Ezekiel and Elias all in there. And it's like, this was amazing to see. And by the time that there's seven, which will be two blinks and a wake up, and then they're going to be teenagers like that. And it, those of you who are grandparents or maybe even great grandparents here, you know that the kids went, your little baby is now having babies. It's like, how did that happen? How did they get so old so quickly when I didn't? I try to deny it, but it just doesn't work anymore. Instruction. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, You have been taught by the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. Training your children is going to be more than just a Sunday school class a week. It's going to come from at-home instruction. And the thing about children is it's work. It's a rewarding work, but it's still work. You have to work at raising children. You can't just leave them. You can't, you know, you can't just hope that they're going to figure out that they need to brush their teeth. Because if you leave that choice to them, a lot of times they're not going to do it. They're not going to see the value of a full set of healthy teeth when they're in their 50s and 60s when they're only six years old. They're not going to get that. It's not a concept that they can lank on to, that you have to train them. This is going to be true in many areas of life. And in the early years, setting boundaries. I mentioned in our uh, service recently that I read an interesting little study that they took children and they uh, outside of a back of a farmhouse with no fences. And they said, you can play out there and you can go anywhere. And the children stayed very close to the house. But they set up a house. Uh, they brought in another group of children. But by then they had put in a fence around the backyard. And they said to the children, you can play anywhere inside the fence, and they would explore to the boundary. Children need boundary. They need limitations on their media, on their other areas of life. And we have a very limited time. They're going to be, a lot of their character will be formed and brought into their lives by the time they're 10 or 12 years old. Statistically speaking, you will learn 75% of the words that you'll ever use by the time you're five years old. That's an incredible thought to me. You'll learn technical words after that. You'll learn specific words. I don't think many five-year-olds know what, you know, uh, the inner workings of, of, an en- of a, a combustible engine is, you know, there with that. I, don't, I get that. We'll learn technical words, medical words, and all of those kinds of but the basic communication skills are already established by five or six years old. Deuteronomy verse six, chapter 6, verse 7 says, Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you are getting 
up. He's talking about the principles and the teachings and the laws of God. He says you need to tell them and teach them constantly when you're on the road, when you're at home, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, doing those kinds of things. Deuteronomy 31, 12 and 13, call them together, men, women, and children, and the foreigners who live in your towns, so that they may hear this book of instruction and learn to fear the Lord, your God, carefully and obey them in the terms of the instructions. Do this so that your children who are, who have not known these instructions will hear them and learn them and learn to fear the Lord, your God. Doing this, you will live long in the land that you are crossing over the Jordan to occupy. Because you've got to teach them. You have to instruct them. This is not given to the... We have some wonderful Sunday school who do a great job. We have wonderful children's church leaders who do a great job, but that is not going to be enough. Two rules of life you have to understand. Your compromise will become their excuses. Your compromise will become their excuses. When you compromise a little bit, half-hearted commitments, not taking things seriously, neither will your children. They will use your compromises as their excuses. And very importantly, your word. How you speak to your children. It's going to be, you know, words set an atmosphere. The mystery of preaching sets an atmosphere. Marriage begins with words. You take this woman, you're walking, and begins with words. Words are powerful. Many of us can remember, especially if you've got a few years like I do, I can remember things that were said to me in my teenage years and even before. Words that were spoken like this man 35 years ago. Take, I remember that. I can Actually, as I'm telling the story, I can see his face. I can see us standing in the Cape Cod Mall. I can tell you when it was right around this time, Christmas time, I ran into him. I can see that. Words of power. How a parent speaks to their child is going to be notable. How the parents speak to each other is going to be notable. We have friends in church. They have four natural children, and they just adopted two. They had four boys. Four, <laughs> they're handsome boys. They're really good boys. They're, it's, what's funny is they all look different. They've got... Uh, uh, one blonde, two brunettes, and a redhead, and then they they, uh, they and they've all got different personalities and and such. Andrew, the second child, he, he's funny. Oh my gosh, is that boy funny? He could be a stand-up comedian someday. He's that funny. He really, he's got that wit. He's got that. Where Caleb, the oldest, is quiet. He's you know calculated. John is the mischievous one. Christian's the instigator. But then they adopted two girls. But they have this little policy that they have that when they're mad and want to argue, they don't do it in front of the children. So when they're really mad, they use a code, which is Chinese food words. I'm so orange chicken right now. 
Yeah, well, I'm sweet and sour. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yeah, you low main. I'll tell you. And so, you know, they get it. And they, and they say they, it makes them laugh. And, and hard to hold the anger. Children hear what goes on. You might put them to bed. Now, be honest. How many of you, when you were a child, you faked being asleep for your parents? What's Words are powerful. They'll know if you're a person of your word. Did you say you would do that? One of the heartbreaks that many of divorced children face is one spouse makes a promise and never follows. Very disappointing to them. Your words set an atmosphere, how you talk about people. Pastor Mitchell used to say, I shake hands with people coming into church every day. He spent the whole week talking about me. Your children will pick that up. They'll pick up a lot. Very interesting that they said, of course, a child will know the voice of their mother. I mean, they've spent nine months inside them, so they kind of get very familiar with that. But if a married couple, if he's there, and especially uh, on the scene, very attentive, the child will recognize the father's voice. Even though it's through all the liquid and all of that, and inside the mother's belly and all of that, they'll still pick up home qualities of the father. And they know Who's speaking? So what does your child need? Needs you to be a good parent. MSN website has this article. It said 10 mistakes parents make. One, number one, in our generation, spoiling their kids. Two, inadequate discipline. Three, failing to get involved at school. Four, praising mediocrity. Five, giving kids not enough responsibility. Six, not being a good spouse. Seven, setting unrealistic expectations. Eight, not teaching your kids to fend for themselves. Nine, pushing trends on your kids. And ten, not following through. We're not talking about a Christian organization like Focus on the Family. We're talking about MSN, a left-leaning news they reckon. So to the fathers, there's fathers in here. You play a great role in your children's life. A lot of problems today can be linked to fatherless homes. This has to do with both physical and emotional fatherless homes. No father, there's no balance of power. Mothers. Single moms, God bless you if you're a single mom, but I'll tell you, it's hard to play both roles. Very, very difficult. Ephesians 6 and verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, but rather bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. Colossians 3.21, Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged in both. This word in the original Greek 
has to actually do with the thought of tutorage or teaching or care that a tutor. It was educational instruction. It was also discipline, correcting, but it also had to do with nature, nurture, and caring. In our day, people can't take a rebuke when they do something wrong. How they throw a tender tantrum. You told me no. What's up with that? Fathers are the head of the home. They're to set the limits. What is acceptable? What is not acceptable behavior? Dress. Music. Media. Critical. Because you're not just preparing them for life in your house, you're preparing them for life after your house. Let me tell you something about that little baby you brought home from the hospital. Someday they're going to move out. Someday, my little girl that I brought home, I got a telephone call one day from a young man, and he said, uh, Mr. Sullivan, I, I really I, I like your daughter. I said, I do too. <laughs> what is this about? I knew exactly what it was about. He's my son-in-law today, and I love, the, love that boy. It means you need to give him responsibility. They say that the medium income, this is probably a little old, this is probably seven, eight years old, $75,000. You want to be happy. After that, happiness begins to diminish. No one really believes that because everybody wants to make more money. But the real peak is, and they said what was very interesting is that they did a a little talk, and this involved people like uh, Spielberg and George Lucas and these kinds of people. They said, we make so much money, our kids don't have to cut the lawns. They don't know responsibility. They become very spoiled. They don't have to do any work. It's all done for them. This is why Bill Gates said, 99% of my money I'm giving away. He's not being cruel to his children. He's being realistic. I give it to you, you're going to end up like the bushes of the Kennedy. You think you are deserved to royal families, Democrat and Republican Party. They deserve their spoiled Both of them. I digress. Friends, money, dress. First Samuel three, twelve and thirteen, I am going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him of the judgment that is coming on his family forever, because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. That was on Eli. To the mothers, your job is to give them what they need in life at home and train them. Second Timothy, First Timothy, chapter two, verse fifteen, it says, "But women will be saved through childbearing, assuming that they continue to live in the faith, love, holiness, and modesty." Titus 2.4, these older women must train the younger women to love their children and uh, to love their husbands and love their children. Training, this is practical thing. 
This is the scheduling. A lot of moms will run the house, the scheduling, where we have to be, who has to take care of this and that and that. That falls a lot on the mother. And that's just the reality of life. It has to do with the nature and the, of, of a mother and the, that they care. But there's practical things. My wife taught my son how to cook and how to iron. And her reasoning was she wanted her future daughter-in-law, who is a sweetheart, by the way, to love her. That I want my son to know how to do these things. This is an iron. This is how you iron your own shirt. This is how you cook an egg. This is how you cook spaghetti. Practical home thing. Another thing that will help both parents is that to be on the same side. My wife and I chose very early that we were going to be on the same side. And if we didn't understand something, and I remember one time I thought my daughter had done something and I was mad. My wife came out and went, she didn't do it. She didn't do it. Okay. But she pulled me aside. But when one was disciplining, the other didn't interfere. I remember one time my son was just irritating my wife to no end, and I just yelled up to him. I said, Brian, you better write a will, because I don't know if you're making it out of this one. I wasn't going to interfere. And then there's the extended family. There's uncles and aunts, grandparents, step-grandparents, however it may play out. You'll play a role in this. A lot of People, you know, there's, there's the favorite uncle or the favorite aunt status that people want. There's the influence of grandparents that you can have. My granddaughter was having a very bad day one time, and she was just, it was just a meltdown day. She's uh, six years old. She didn't have a good day in school and all that. My daughter can't get a hold of her, get through to her and all that. She said, you want to call grandma? Call Nana? So she calls up my wife. Talks and by the end of the conversation, she's there, back, she's glorious, she's having. You'll play a role in it. Grandparents, Proverbs six seventeen verse six. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the age. Parents are the pride of their children. They might think mom and dad can't do any wrong. I again, I, I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute, but just. We were driving one time, and my daughter, the moon was full and bright out passenger window, and she said, oh, look at the moon, and the road curved. And she's like, oh, daddy, can you bring back the moon? And the road curved again, and there was the moon in her window, and she's like, thank you, daddy, because daddy controlled the moon. That's what that's that's what that scripture is saying to the their children. They're gonna look. They're gonna think their mom and dad can do uh, everything. They're Superman and Superwoman who got married. You know, they're just gonna love. But to a grandparent, oh, the joy of grandchildren. I've I've taken twice as I've gone away to preach. I've had the chance to take my grandson with me, just me and him. In the, in the hotel, in the, just having fun. The second time I went away, the manager of the hotels had the same name as my grandson. And so Jason, and we were having fun. We had elevator races to the, to the third floor to get to our room. And, and all of us, just 
fun, just absolute fun with him. And it was glorious. But there's also an influence. You're going to teach them what's right, what's wrong. Titus, I'm sorry, Timothy rather. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Remember the genuine faith that you shared first that was filled by your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith that continues strong. This influence began. Deuteronomy says, watch out, be careful. Do not forget what you've seen. The memories escape your mind as long as you win. Pass them on to your children and to your grandchildren. We can learn a lot. I mean, you know, we the stories, you know, the exaggerated comedians. My grandfather used to tell me I used to walk to school uphill both ways and seven feet of snow and, you know, all that. But they don't know. They don't know when they had all the world information in their. I don't remember times where, you know, there were only three channels. And if the president was making a speech, your evening was ruined. They don't know those times. They don't know those understanding. So let me just give some practical things to the parents to think about now in our day. One, of course, is communication media. In our day of the Internet being everywhere, things that are out there, you need to limit them on their communications, all of this kind of things. When my, teenager, when my children were teenagers, for instance, I had the passwords to everything that they had, their phones, their, which we didn't have smartphones. I had their passwords, their phones. I could look at their call logs. I could, in fact, I would get a, I could look that up. Still can today. If you have any of the major carriers, you can look that up and they'll give you every phone call they've made. They had email accounts. I gave them that freedom, but I also had their password and would check it. I wanted to know what they were doing. I cared. I did give them freedom. I did give them space. But I also limited it. You know, it's very interesting that both Bill Gates and Steve Jobs limited their children on screen time. Very interesting that those two, the monsters, giants of the tech world, said this is not good. They understood that. You need to know and teach your children. Limiting their ability. Don't just stick a phone in their hand just to get them to be quiet. That may have a place and a time occasionally. But to many parents, that's simply their checkout. Years ago, the television was simply called the plug-in. And now we have a vast array of tablets for computers. Need to teach them about money. How to save it. How to give it. Keep it. One man said, you should spend all that you can spend. Save all you can save and give all you can give. That in life, what is money? To some people, it's the goal. It's the end all. It's the be all. It's the, 
I've got to have all of this and make more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Is that really what it's about? It's not the hokey pokey and it's not money. Life is more. There's lots more involved. Teach them the value. In 2018, Leo Belknap was a three-year-old toddler who was, a two-year-old toddler rather, who was getting a lesson on money. His parents, Ben and Jackie, had noticed an important envelope missing with, 16, with a $1,060 in it. They looked everywhere for it. These two diehard University of Utah football fans had been saving the money to pay back Ben's parents for season tickets that they had bought him. They started tearing apart the house, digging through the trash. And then Jackie hollers, I found it. She had remembered that she had recently been shedding, shredding some documents. And she looked in the shredder to find the entire envelope of money shredded in the shredder. Kids know the cost of everything today. You know, they know the value of nothing. It didn't end bad for them. There's actually a department in the treasury that deals with hurt money that you can send it into and they put it all in Ziploc bags sent it off to the treasury and they're going to figure out how to get it back. So, But I know kids who waste money. They have no concept. No idea of value. No idea what, how, it's, how it works. Needs to be taught. Need to teach them about You leave sex to be taught in schools? God help you. Why do we have a twisted generation like we do? Because of that. And if you leave it to the internet to teach your kids about sex, oh man, you are going to have some problems. Researchers in, 20, uh, uh, in 2017 studied 1,017 adolescents from 12 to 14 over a period of two years. Teenagers that are uh, exposed to two, 264 different items, such as movies, TV shows, music, and magazines, and were analyzed for their sexual content. In general, they found that teens exposed to higher levels of sexual media participated in higher and earlier levels of sexual activity. Teens exposed were to sexual media were 2.2 times more likely to have intercourse 14 to 16 years old. I don't know if you know that, but that's illegal in the United States. It's called statutory rape. And it doesn't matter if it's two 14-year-olds. They're both guilty of violating the other. You know that? Let me tell you the laws. I have to know that at that's where media is. You, you need to teach them at home what it is. Famous passed away radio commentator named Paul Harvey made the statement that when sex was taught in the barnyard instead of the schoolyard, America was a far more moral. Need to teach them. Need to teach them about God. Our text is very clear. Bringing out the testimony of God. 
who he is, what he can do, how he does miracles, how sin is empty and will leave you frustrated to no end. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're home, you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Write them on your doorposts and on your gate. Just make this a priority. Yes, the Sunday school. Thank God. Teach our God. We're going to dedicate these children to the Lord. We're doing that because it's blessed. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. You're here this morning. It would be unfair for us to talk about God, but not give those who don't know Him an invitation, an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. God is a wonderful, forgiving God. We live in a day when God is being forced out of everything. Jesus' name, it's no longer Merry Christmas, it's Happy Holidays. We don't want to talk about the reason for the season. Jesus Christ came, shed His blood, so that you and I can be right. And then we are called children. We can have a relationship as a father, does with his children, you and I can have that relationship with God. You're here this morning, you're not right with God, but you want to get your heart right, maybe you're backslidden, not going to hold this for very long, but you know if you need to pray, you want to get your heart right, I wonder if you'd slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right with Jesus. I need God to help me. I need to be forgiven. Anyone at all, very quickly. We're going to move on in just a moment. We want to give this opportunity to you. We want to get your heart right with God. Say, you know what? I've neglected God in my life. Our nation is in trouble, not because of politics or the economy, because we're getting to the place where they're pushing God out of everything. The results of that will be Very quickly, slip up your hand. I need Jesus. Thank God. Man, you want to just... Where's... Sorry, would you pray with Andrew? Praise God. We're going to stand... Oh, actually, no, we're not. We're, you can pray with him. We, you can lift your heads. We're going we're gonna to go on. You can stop playing.